Good morning, everybody. Sorry for the delay in getting up here. I was looking for a verse to go along with that song that we just sang, because in Hebrews uh, chapter 6, verse 19, the writer says, This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, in which enters the presence behind the veil, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. So uh, we do have Jesus as an anchor for our souls, and we uh, ought to be very thankful for that um, in light of the reality of death and that uh, this this life of ours is a vapor upon this earth. It is just a shadow that is passing by, and we will one, one day stand before the Lord and give an account and uh, we will either stand there in our righteousness or in the righteousness of uh, Jesus Christ. And the scripture says that our righteousnesses are like filthy rags. So if we stand there in our righteousnesses, then they will not get us anywhere. But the righteousness of Jesus is all that is necessary. And it is the only thing that is sufficient for us to be in the presence of God. That's for every one of us. There's no righteousness in our, ourselves that is good enough. Um, this week, most of you know about my father-in-law passing away. I was up here at the church uh, doing some work in the office. On my, it was Monday is typically my off day, but I was planning on taking off like on Friday instead. But I, so I was up here doing some work, and I got a phone call where it says Tom's sale or Tom's sale, and that was uh, Tom Scora who is um, Sherry's cousin's uh, husband. And I thought it was quite unusual that I was getting a call from him. So I answered the call and and he uh, you know, greeted me and he said that Charlie has passed away. Now, Charlie is my father-in-law and he passed away on Monday. And what was going on there, he hadn't been sick or anything. He did have, I was reminded, of uh, an artery that was almost completely blocked. One of the main arteries going to his heart was almost completely blocked. And he had told us about that a while back. But the way Charlie is, you really figure, most of us figured he was going to outlive all of us. Even though he was 80 years old, he was just kind of that guy, kind of tough. He went, he's been through a four-wheeler accident a few years ago in West Virginia where he broke his back. And, and you know, he kind of opposed what the doctors told him to do and did it his own way and you know he's fine uh, and then he had a major heart attack hunting in Illinois um, a couple years after that on a yearly trip that he would go to and anyways he had open heart surgery up there in Illinois and uh, then returned back is a Carbondale uh, Carbondale I think is the right place I know that some of the John Rajan is from there but um He had that uh, open-heart surgery and uh, recovered and went back on his hunting trip the next year and continued his life as normal. He's one of those guys that was just always learning about new things and implementing them into his life uh, the best that he could, typically in the fields of hunting and fishing, to give him every advantage that he could could get in those areas. So um, he was out hunting, actually, on Monday morning and had harvested a deer, drug the deer out of the woods on a little sled that he has. It had gotten loaded in the truck. I think that, I don't know if he did that by himself or if a fellow hunter helped him, but they were standing around afterwards talking about deer stands. And 
he said, well, here, let me take you in the woods. I'll show you the deer stand that I've got set up back there. So they went walking back in the woods, and as they were going, he, he said that he couldn't breathe and uh, leaned up against a tree, and um, he died at that point. So um, that's how all of that unfolded. A couple of you have asked me this morning, so I thought I would just go ahead and tell you uh, the story behind that. And uh, the last time he went to church, and really the only time that Charlie has been to church in several years, maybe up to two decades, uh, was when he came here or has come with us to church when they were here visiting in the summer. They, he came this past um, May for Mother, on, it was on Mother's Day Sunday. And the reason we know that is because we were looking through his pictures. One of the boys was looking through the pictures on his phone, and he had a picture of all the kids lined up here across the front, about three pictures of them lined up here across the, the front. So um, that was a, a blessing to, you know, to have him in our lives and certainly did not expect him to pass from this life to the next this past Monday, but he did. That is the reality of life. And that is that death is coming. In John chapter 11, Jesus told uh, Martha when Lazarus, her brother, had passed away, had died, uh, that, that he is, that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. That whoever believes in him will never die. And he who lives and believes in Jesus um, will, will never die. I think I mixed... We'll, we'll live even if he dies, and then we'll never die is the way that goes. But the reality is, folks, that the only life that we have is in the person who could stand on this earth and say that he is the resurrection and the life. And that's Jesus. Uh, so uh, we went there and uh, spent time with the family. Sherry and Joy are still there, and we'll be there for a few days. Not exactly sure when they will be returning. I had the great honor and a privilege of conducting the funeral and to preaching God's Word. Uh, Charlie and I had a real relationship. It was rocky at times. We would work through those uh, difficult times and continue to be able to have a relationship where I hope that we were able to uh, help one another in different ways. But I had the great honor of conducting that funeral and preaching the Gospel to folks who some of them would not be in church otherwise. And to the very best of my ability, I preached as if I would never preach again, like Richard Baxter said, as a, a dying man to dying men. And it's my prayer and hope that God will just take His Word and the Gospel and use it in their lives, causing folks to realize that our eternal life cannot be based upon our righteousness, how good we've been but it has to be based upon the righteousness of Christ. So thank you all for your prayers and your uh, cards and acts of kindness that you've displayed uh, to us during this time. Truly thankful for you uh, as a church. Sherry's sister, after the, after the sermon and after the uh, service on Sunday, thought about you all that this place must be a pretty fun place to go to church. Uh, so I can't remember, I, I'm, 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 I was really funny during the funeral, I guess, at different times, like, you know, like I am here normally, and, um, and anyways, it caused her to think this must be a pretty, pretty good church. 
Um, if you would open your Bibles to Second Peter chapter one, that's where we're going to be again this morning. Guys, I feel like my mic is a little low. Um, my voice is a little weak this morning, so if y'all could turn me up just a little bit, not too much, but if y'all could turn my mic up just a touch, I would appreciate it. Second Peter chapter one. I'm going to read a few verses here, and then I want to talk to you today about. Uh, foundations for a precious faith. Hey guys, back there, I also do not have the um, ability to transition the slides. I don't have the clicker up here. So y'all can either do that back there or you can bring it up here to me, one or the other, and I'll take care of it. Second Peter chapter 1. Thanks, Dennis. Let's read here, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Verse 5. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Verse 10. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. Yes, I think it is right, as long as I am in this tent, to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly, uh, that shortly I must put off my tent, Just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me, verse 15, Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of His majesty. For He received from God the Father honor and glory, When such a voice came to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Verse 18, and we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns. And the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, 
But holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. May the Lord bless to our hearts this morning the reading of His Word. Let's pray together. Father, I thank You that You've made it possible for us to be together today. We've had a lot of sickness in the church. Lord, we've had, we've had uh, events and circumstances arise um, that have caused us to be separate from one another. So, Lord, uh, today it's good to see our folks together. It's good for us to assemble in the house of God. And, Lord, we come to You uh, worshiping You, the one true God. And we do so because of Jesus Christ. I thank You, Father, that we have eternal life. And that that eternal, eternal life is to know You and to know Your Son whom You have sent. We gather together, Lord, today as people who have no other hope. Father, we have no other claim to righteousness. Father, we have nothing else in our hands to bring. We can only come today and we can only know You and be Your sons and daughters because of the Son of God who became Son of Man. Lord, He allowed us, sons of men, to become sons of God. So because of Jesus, we are here. And through Him and by the power of Your Holy Spirit, God, we want to rightly worship You and live for You. So please enable us more fully to do so through the Word that has been given to us because we know, Lord, that You have given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Today I want to share with you a message entitled Foundation for a Precious Faith. And we see these, uh, we see this idea of a precious faith this in chapter 1, verse 1 actually. It divides up and makes me think it's verse 2, but it's not, it's in verse 1. To those who have obtained like precious faith with us. So, Peter writing to the readers and to us today reminded us that we, that our faith is like his. Even though he had, had a first-hand experience with Jesus, living with him, ministering with him, seeing him, learning from him, our faith is like his. It is a like, precious faith. And just a few things that I want to mention about faith to begin with is, is the first one is this, is that Precious faith isn't blind faith. Christians do not have a blind faith. Why do we say that? Well, even in this very context here in verse 2, we see that he says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So we have this knowledge. And the word here is epignosis. And it means an intimate, real, thorough knowledge. And then you go to verse 2, again he uses the word knowledge, and it says, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. 
So our precious faith is not a blind faith. It is a faith that has been informed. It is very informed. And it is informed by the truth of God, as we'll see in a moment. Second thing about precious faith is this, is that a precious faith is a received faith. It is not a generated faith. We see that it is received faith because in verse 1, he says, to those who have obtained. We've obtained it because we have received it, because it has been given to us. That's what the word there means, obtained. It means to receive it. So it is a received faith, not a generated faith. And then number three, precious faith flourishes. It does not falter. Precious faith flourishes, it does not falter. And in Second Peter, he's writing to a people who are facing false teachers. If you were to wanted to learn from the New Testament about false teaching and how to deal with that, one of the letters that you would go to, one of the source documents that you would go to would be Second Peter. Another would be Jude. Another might be First John, Second John, and Third John. And really, a lot of the New Testament letters speak about false teaching, if not all of them. Not all of them, but a lot of them. Uh, So, he is presenting to us here a faith that doesn't falter, but it flourishes. At the end, we will see that we are told to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then... We come here to the fourth thing about a precious faith, and that is a precious faith stands, but it does not stand alone. Precious faith stands, but it doesn't stand alone. Now I might present to you today that our precious faith stands on the knowledge that we have received about God. And what stands with that precious faith are the seven things that are listed in verses 5 through uh, five through uh, seven in this chapter. He tells us there that we are to be diligent, we're to be careful, we're to work hard to add to our faith seven things, seven characteristics. They are virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, And then finally, love. These seven things are to be added to our faith. So your precious faith, my precious faith, is not something that stands alone by itself, but it has with it all of these seven things. Now, I tried to encourage y'all last week to, hey, let's think about a way in 2023 where we can really make this precious faith real um, and and these things real and i encourage you about brotherly kindness you know and i came up with a lame brain idea of hey why don't you just stop in and say hi visit with other folks in the church on occasion if you're going down the road and you're like hey i'm going by so-and-so's house why don't we stop and you know encourage you to stop making excuses not to do it and just lead the Stop grieving the Spirit and quenching the Spirit of God and actually just go and and do it. Now, this turned into quite an uproar among our ladies. Because uh, on... And I I do not have access to this. I've only been told about it. But 
this group on Facebook, the NLBC Ladies. And someone on there, Lisa Slater, I'm not going to say who it was, you know, kind of started this thing, which is shocking knowing Lisa, that she would say something like, is anybody else wearing makeup more often this week and keeping the floors vacuumed? And then normal or something along those lines. And, you know, I thought, well, surely none of the other ladies would respond to that. But it turns out many of you did. And uh, uh, Barb Travis, I think, said something about Paul going to the door, to the window and looking out. And every time he would go, he would say, a different church member is there to see you. Okay. So there's a lot of comments. Unfortunately, Sherry's in Virginia, so I could not get the exact transcript of all the comments that were made, but it was quite entertaining. And I know y'all were all just kidding about that, and you're in full support of my idea of us stopping in and talking to each other. No, that was just an idea. You know, if you never do it, think about maybe doing it one time in 2023. Just if it ever comes to your mind to stop in and talk to somebody, visit with someone to see how they're doing. And y'all can continue to make fun of it, and I'll, at least right now, continue to encourage you to think about it and be open to the idea if the Lord brings it to your mind. But, uh, you know, you think about all of these different characteristics that He gives here that should come along with a, a faith that is precious. Our precious faith, a faith that is like the Apostle Peter himself, it can't stand alone. It should not stand alone. A precious faith is a faith that is going to show these things and be accompanied by these seven characteristics that he gives us here. Now, going back to this, and that's not the focus of the message today. The focus of the message is this foundation, knowledge. And as we think about knowledge and look at this letter and how Paul uses that word knowledge, whether it's the word epignosis gnosis, or gnosis, um, he uses that several times in this letter. We see the first two times are in verse uh, 2 and in the verse 3. We see the next time, verse 5, we're to add to our faith virtue and then to virtue there is to be knowledge added to that. So if you consider virtue being moral excellence, if you consider it being goodness, and then we think about in 2023, let's maybe you're thinking about, I want to do certain things to show my faith in 2023. I want to be a person who um, shows that they live for the Lord and believe in the Lord by uh, whatever it might be, A, B, C, D. All right? So you want to do those things, and that is good because those things are virtuous or they are excellent, and we are to do those things adding it to our faith. You see, we say that we have a faith in Christ. That faith in Christ ought to have evidence. And virtue is that first thing that ought to, ought to show up there. Virtue shows that we are doing what we say that we are, that we are being what we say that we are. It's like a tool in the hand of a worker. If that tool is working appropriately, accomplishing what it is supposed to accomplish, then that tool is virtuous and we are showing virtue but that virtue doesn't it doesn't end there because we continue to add to all of those things we continue to grow in our knowledge and so that's where we see the word 
knowledge. Next. And then you go to verse 8. We see the word again. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see what this is saying? It is possible for us to be unfruitful. It is possible for us to be barren when it comes to the knowledge of our Lord. We can say that we know Him. We can say the right things. But yet, when it comes to it being lived out in our lives, there's no fruit hanging on the tree that is evidence that we are that kind of tree. So, the knowledge. Now, he continues to talk about this word or use this word knowledge in various places. If you uh, will go with me over to chapter 2. And this will help us, I hope, to see why it's so important that the knowledge, that the faith, the precious faith that we have doesn't stand alone. That precious faith is on the foundation of the knowledge of God. We don't have a blind faith. But that knowledge must um, have be changing our lives, making a difference in our lives. Now, if you go to chapter 2, verse 20. Chapter 2, verse 20. Here in chapter 2, he's focusing on false teachers. He just, he's describing them in light of some of the Old Testament examples we have. In verse 20, though, he says about these. And I'm just going to jump in here on this without being able to spend a whole lot of time here right now. But in verse 20, he says, For if, after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the latter end is worse for them than the beginning. i go back to verse 18, please. Talking about these false teachers, he says about them, For when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. So Peter here is dealing with the false teachers coming into the church and drawing them away, alluring them with this these things that are said in verse 18. Verse 19. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. Now, in verse 20, like I just read, but it's important that we catch those first two verses. 18 and 19. Verse 20. For if... After they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome. The latter end is worse for them than the beginning. Who is they in verse 20? Seems like it could be both groups, whether it's the false teacher or the person who had escaped the corruptions of the world that the false teacher is trying to lead away falls into that category of they. Now verse 21. For it would have been better for them 
not to have known the way of righteousness. Again, you see the word known here twice. Not to have known the way of righteousness, then having known it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. Alright? This is a tough passage, and this is one of those that people would go to to say that you can lose your salvation. Again, the... The brunt of this message today is not to deal with this text, but you can definitely see why they would say it in here. What is the immediate defense of that as we are people who believe that the Scripture teaches the perseverance of the saints? We believe that the Bible teaches the preservation of the saints. That is that Jesus, that we are preserved in Jesus to eternal life. That those who are in Christ... He will lose none, but He will raise them up in the last day. We believe that there is a perseverance and we believe that there is a preservation of the saints. Verse 22 gives us the the defense, really. Because it says, But it has happened to them according to the true proverb. A dog returns to his own vomit and a sow, having washed, to her wallowing in the mire. How do we, what does that mean? It means that the dog, was its nature was never changed. It means that the pig's nature was never changed. It went right back to doing what it is. You can clean a pig up, bring it in the house, and take care of it, and pamper it. And then you can take that pig after treating it like a human being if you chose to do so, which I have no idea why anybody would choose to do that, but if you did, and then you took that pig and you let it run outside and there's a mud hole, that pig is going to run right back to the mud hole and wallow in it. Why? Because it's still a pig. So here we see Peter include this because it could be that he's saying to us that even though they had this knowledge that delivered them apparently, they end up going right back to who they really are. Now, that's where knowledge is used there. Uh, So you see that he's using this quite often in this letter, and it is key. Knowledge of Jesus Christ and of God must change our lives. Now, let's go to the end of the letter. If you would join me there. Verse 17 of chapter 3, 2 Peter 17, 3 verse 17. Y'all got it? Alright, so here at the end of the letter, 2 Peter 3, 17, You therefore, beloved, since you know, notice that word know, this beforehand, beware, lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. What's the previous verses about that? About twisting Scripture. False teachers taking it and causing the church to think something that isn't true. So, he says to them, Beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness. So he's writing to them. He doesn't think, they're, they're good. They've got a good confession. They've got good knowledge. They're good. There's no point in saying anything to them because they're secure for eternity. He doesn't take that approach. That approach, He says to them, beware. 
lest you also fall. Why? Because there are others who have fallen. And then in verse 20, while in verse 17 he says, beware, in verse 20 he says, but grow. What's the opposite of this? What's the opposite of um, falling from your own steadfastness? What's the opposite of being led away by the error of the wicked? The opposite of that is growing. But grow in the grace and what? Knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. So knowledge is found in the chapter 1. It's found in chapter 2. It's found in chapter 3. Now let's look at these points that I've given to you. You see here that knowledge is key. Knowledge is key. It's key to our precious faith because we as a church, we as believers do not have a blind faith. We have a precious faith. There are handouts in the back if anybody needs one. We have a, even though we're almost at the end here, but knowledge is key to our precious faith. We also see this, knowledge is communicated. Knowledge is communicated. If, as you go back to 2 Peter chapter 1, the knowledge uh, of Jesus Christ, of the truth of the gospel, that gospel that saves lost sinners, that gospel that means good news. And today I, w- I want you to remember that, that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead according to our gospel. We are a people who lean not on our own good works, any works of righteousness which we have done, but we believe that we are saved by the mercy of God alone through Jesus Christ. And that knowledge of the truth, God desires for all men to have the knowledge of the truth to come to that salvation in Christ. So we see here that uh, that knowledge is commun- that it is key and that it is number two communicated because in verse uh, twelve verse twelve and then we'll see verse sixteen for this reason I will not be negligent Peter says to remind you always of these things though you know and are established in the present truth and then in verse sixteen. He says, for we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. You see, the reason they knew about it was because the apostles spoke it to them. We made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So it's communicated. And it's still communicated today, folks. That's how people come to know Jesus Christ as Savior because the church opens its mouth and speaks forth the truth of God. Now, the third thing is this. Knowledge is contingent. What does that mean? That it's contingent. Like it's not sufficient of itself. What I mean by this is knowledge is contingent because your knowledge needs to be truth. It needs to be based upon truth. And that's what he said in verse 12. For this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know 
and are established in the present truth. A lost man can have all sorts of knowledge. A lost man can speak eloquently about what he believes in his heart is right and true. But if it is not based upon the truth of the Word of God, then it is not a good knowledge. It must be a knowledge that aligns with Scripture. And that's why Peter talks the way he does at the end of this chapter. He says, we have a prophetic word that is more sure. It's more sure than the eyewitness accounts of the apostles where they heard the voice of God from heaven about Jesus. And he says, we have a more sure word which we do well to heed as a light that shines out of a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in our hearts. And then, so it's contingent upon whether it's based upon truth. And then number four is this. Knowledge is incomplete. It's incomplete. Like, like the rest of this stuff, it, you see, it's got to have more things to go with it. you got knowledge. Yeah, but is there a precious faith that comes forth from that knowledge? And then, does that knowledge have surrounding it virtue? Does it have self-control? Does it have perseverance? Does it have godliness? Does it have brotherly kindness? Does it have Love? You see, it's incomplete. It takes all of these different aspects of our lives to make a whole Christian. And Peter wants us to realize that. He wanted his readers to realize that as well. That our lives are to be changed by our precious faith. We cannot remain the same. We, will, we must grow in the grace and knowledge. You see, it's growing. It's not that the knowledge isn't there. It's not that the knowledge itself needs something more to happen to it, but in our lives we are continuing to grow in it and to know it and to know God more fully. So today I'm going to end there and I want to encourage you to examine your life because at the beginning of a year that is a good time to do that. I want to ask you to examine your life and consider, do you have a precious faith that's built upon the knowledge of God's Word? Is that the foundation of your faith? Do you have an intimate knowledge of God through Jesus Christ? That's what a Christian is. And then we don't stop there because we grow in that knowledge. Now today, if you've never come to a knowledge of God, a knowledge of the truth, the truth is that, that I've already shared with you, that Christ died for our sins that He was buried and that He rose again on the third day. And then He was seen alive. And today is a day where God says, today is the day of salvation. If you've never received that truth of God, then I encourage you today to receive it for yourself that you, through Christ, can become a child of God. Forgiven of your sins. And you stand before Him one day no longer in your righteousness, but in the righteousness, the very righteousness of God. Because we have it to our account through faith. So today, if you're not saved, I beg you, I plead with you, be reconciled to God today. Turn from your sins. Turn to God and believe in His Son. But secondly, as we consider this as believers, we should think, is my faith just standing alone? Is my knowledge just standing alone? Or am I showing, am I being diligent to add to it as the word of the Lord says? Let's pray together. 
Father, I thank you for these good people who would sit and listen to me try to declare your word this morning. Father, I thank you that we have this book we call the Bible that we are able to open the Holy Scriptures and read it and hear it proclaimed. Father, you know it's my desire that I be transformed by your word and that we all would be transformed by it. So I pray, Lord, today that you would please use it now. I pray that the lost today would realize their need for Jesus, their need for a precious faith in Jesus, and that they today would come to that. Grant it to them, Lord, please. And Father, for us who are believers already, having been granted that faith from you, I pray, God, we will not be negligent, as Peter was not negligent, but I pray we will be diligent, and that we will be stirred up to live out our faith and to add to it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.